and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamper, and thank you for hanging with me. I totally dropped the ball last week and didn't get an episode queued up for you to listen to. It was a total oversight on my end, and I apologize. But to make up for it, I'm going to give you two episodes for the next few weeks until we get caught up. Be ready for your feed to update Tuesdays and Fridays until we're back up to speed. Last time I mentioned some new ministry partnerships that we're really excited about. Now that you know about Vitals and have subscribed over there, let me tell you about Hands of Mercy Everywhere, or HOME for short. HOME is a local nonprofit that provides all kinds of support for teenage mothers. They're just down Baseline Road from our church campus. They're in Bellevue, and it's incredible some of the work that they're doing and the support that they're giving to these young mothers. I'm including a link in their... There's a link... There's a link to their website in the episode description, and I hope you'll visit that link to learn more about them and to consider sending them a donation. Now, today, we're going to finish our study of the book of John with the last episode of our Light and Glory series. John 21 is full of hard questions, and we already know Jesus does not pull punches, especially with the people closest to him. I'm sure you'll be challenged, encouraged, and helped as Pastor Todd McQueen digs deep into this final chapter of John. Good morning, church. As you turn to John chapter 21 this morning, John chapter 21, we're going to finish our series in John. And before we can get started, or as we get started, the main idea this morning has to do with following Jesus and tending to the needs of those that he loves. And as we've worked through the series of John, you notice this is our last slide, light and glory. I'd like to bring your attention over to here because part of following Jesus and dealing with uh, coming up with the artwork was a gift of one of our resident artists. And I like to celebrate that which we value. This morning, you get to hear the bearded guy up front because he's loud and he's, that's the, what we do in the church service. But I wanted to celebrate this morning those who have come along to say, hey, I got, we come up with these ideas for these sermon series. And how do we bring that to art? And how do we do that so people can see it? How do we use the other gifts in the church? And so as you look at this one, it's pretty dark, isn't it? But then Jesus comes in, what's the beginning of John? Hey, the light has come. Then as we go through the valley of the shadow, and then we break the dawn. When did we break the dawn? That's where Pastor Michael ended his series. When did the dawn break? It was right at the crucifixion. The night before, all that, when the narrative really slowed down, and John gives us all these details. The next morning, the dawn broke. And this morning, as we finish John, the light and glory. When we follow the light, when we follow in his glory, how do we do that? What is Jesus going to say to the last group of people? His last time that John records for Jesus' interaction with his disciples, what does he say? Follow him. And what does that mean? Tending to those he loves. We started John chapter 21, verse 1. 
After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two others of his disciples were there. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter, Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards out. The first call recalled. This is what I call this section. So what's the setting of this morning when dawn breaks again? We got Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and the son of Zebedee, and two others. You got seven guys hanging out. And they're away from Jerusalem and Galilee. Mary has brought them the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has visited them twice, bringing them peace and a command to go with the message of God's forgiveness of reconciliation between him and God and us and each other. So with that just having happened, what's Peter decide to do? Let's go fishing. Peter goes back to his old lifestyle, his familiar life routine, and heads out on the water and goes fishing. And his business partners, James and John, and the rest of the crew get up and they go out with him. They don't catch anything at night. It's an interesting side note. The boys never caught anything without Jesus. So here's Peter, hey, hanging out. What do we do? Let's go fishing. All right, we'll go with you. So in verse 4, at dawn, Jesus is standing on the shore. And you can hear him ask you this. If you've ever been fishing, everybody say, hey, did you catch anything? No. Well, Jesus is like, hey, hey, guys, do you have anything to eat? Now, if you've been out fishing all night and somebody yells, hey, did you guys catch anything? What was your response going to be? Can you imagine this? No. No. Well, then cast your net on the right side of the boat and you might find some. You'll find some over there. So they do it and they catch a boatload. Even too much to pull into the boat. And John yells, it's the Lord. And Peter grabs his clothes, dives in and swims to shore. The rest of the crew heads to shore, dragging the net full of fish behind the boat. Why in the world, Pastor Todd, do you call this the first call recall? That's why we read Luke 5. Luke 5, and recap. Jesus finishes teaches from Peter's boat because he was a commercial fisherman. He says, hey, let the nets out. All right, we worked all night, but we'll do it. So they caught so many fish, the net should have ripped, the boat should have sunk, and they had to call in reinforcements to carry the haul in. P 
Peter recognizes the miracle that happens in front of him, and what does he do? He falls on, the, on his knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is Peter's come-to-Jesus moment. So after bringing the boats to the shore, they left everything and did what? Followed. So it's three years of following. Peter is called to fish for people now. And that's the beginning of that story. But following Jesus meant participating in Jesus' training or discipleship. Jesus meant three years of discipleship, of life-on-life -life interactions with Peter and the crew. Following Jesus meant, hey, i got to follow this guy all the way. Where have we been recently? His trial, execution, and resurrection. So after three years of following, after three years of discipleship training, after two miraculous encounters with the risen Jesus, Peter decides to do what? Ah, I'm going to go fish. So back to John 21. What are they doing? They're out fishing. I haven't caught anything all night. It's Peter's fishing partner, John, who recognizes the turn of events first. He makes the verbal declaration, it's the Lord. And Peter is always, with bold, decisive action, jumps right straight in the water. It's no wonder. It's him. He did it again. He found me where I was at the beginning. It's time to follow. But the following isn't done. There's physical rejuvenation that has to happen by the shepherd. Pick up with me in verse 9. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to, him, to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to him, to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he yet was raised from the dead. See, Jesus is going to tend his flock. When they get to shore, breakfast is ready. It's been a long night, exhausting night. Can you imagine how famished and tired they are? Jesus says, hey, anybody got any fish? Can you, somebody contribute to this time together? And Peter goes and gets 153 of them. Jesus to the group, hey guys, come have breakfast. No one asked for Jesus' ID. It's probably a quiet time. More than likely a reflective time while rejuvenating their weary bodies. Jesus serves. He tends. He feeds. And he cares for them. He's illustrating his love for his sheep. Put yourself in this flock. It's been a long, hard night. Doing what you did before Jesus found you. If you remember back and have a time in your place where you knew life had a transition in it because you met the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And you just got done spending a whole night doing what you did before you came to know him. And Jesus unknowingly steps back in your life and hollers your name. He does it in such a way through a scenario that reminds you vividly of that first encounter with him. What's Jesus do? He tenderly shepherds them where they are. It's quiet. There's time with Jesus. The shepherd is tending to his flock. Physical means first. We like to seek people that maybe have gone back to whatever life was before they had found Jesus with stern rebukes and harsh words. But my goodness, look what the shepherd does. He tenderly meets his flock where they were and meets a physical need first. There isn't a big, what in the world are you doing, Peter? But the following is not done. Spiritual rejuvenation to follow the shepherd. And we step into verse 15 at the familiar words of Peter and Jesus. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you, were, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry out where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. The one who also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die. But it is my will that he remain until I come. What is it to you? So Jesus tends his flock, and this time he's tending to their spiritual needs. Breakfast is over. After the time of physical care has taken place, Jesus directs his attention to Peter. Peter is the leader. Peter has recently sinned big time in public. An eyewitness to Peter's sin is there, John. Jesus will publicly interact with Peter to set the tone for these guys that they will need to emulate later on. Do not miss the dynamic that's going on between Peter and John. Peter will go through this again. We know that with Paul and his rebuke of Peter in Galatians. We know that John is going to go through hard times in the local church over and over again because he wrote John 1, 2, and 3 in Revelation. Guys, you're going to have to step through this. We're going to have to deal with sin. We're going to have to deal with what happened. So Peter is with Jesus, but who's right there behind following? John. Wouldn't you love to get in trouble by the boss and somebody's just 20 feet behind listening to the whole conversation? 
So, Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep, take care of my sheep. Simon, do you love me? And he's grieved. This is the same word for grief that the disciples felt when Jesus died. This hits him into court. This one hurts. This is way down deep inside. Then feed my sheep. You will be killed in your old age, Pete. Your ministry will not be retirement in Florida. The future is murder. You're going to die. And what's Jesus say? Verse ni- at the end of verse 19. Follow me. Following Jesus means loving and taking care of those that Jesus loves. And the future might be pretty tough. And Peter just got some bad news. The big idea of what these two, what Jesus is doing with Peter isn't so much. I don't like the idea that he did three times do you love me because he denied him three times. The big deal is the future. Pete, you think it's been tough then? Look at the future. It's the gravity of the years ahead because Jesus is getting ready to ascend. And he's leaving Pete behind. The future's on Jesus' mind. And more than likely, by the time John wrote this, Peter is already dead. And the dynamic of Peter and John is not to be missed here. Look, Peter immediately turns around and says, What about John? We do the same thing, God. God, okay, so it's going to be rough for me. What about them? What about their lot? How's it going to be tough? Is it going to be tough for them? What is it to you? You what? Follow me. And the wording in the original text is so bold. The you is capitalized. If Jesus was going to text this, it would be in all caps, spaced. You, follow me. He's repeated it. Following Jesus means tending to those he loves. That's the story of the book of John. Faith in action. Do you believe it? Do you believe that the testimony of what John has written is true? This is a disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Following Jesus, individual obedience is measured on how well you love Jesus by doing what he has called you to do for other people. Following Jesus means you love people. Following Jesus includes using your spiritual gifts for people. Peter's life is going to be short, and his pastoral ministry is going to include a couple other letters. John's is going to be a long life with a big gospel account and four more letters. 
yet they're both pastors. The Jesus that says, love me by taking care of my sheep. Two wildly different dudes. Peter and John are on polar opposites of the spectrum. And Jesus says both, hey cats, you're going to need to follow me. Peter, by the way, your future is going to be murder. John, we'll work on the rest later. You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. But what was the intent of their pastoral ministry? Loving people the way Jesus wants them to be loved. If Jesus loves people and you want to follow Jesus, you're loving, attending, and keeping, and tender care of his people. Are you a follower of Jesus this morning? And what in the world does that mean? Well, take a look at the last weeks. How much of your life is about taking care of fellow members of the flock? Or is it all about you? If you say you love Jesus and you're not involved in other people's lives, are you doing what Jesus said to the disciples right here? To Peter out loud in front of John. And the message is going to get out, and it got out because we have it written. If you say you love Jesus and you're not involved in other people's lives, you're missing the point. Or in a place in your life where Jesus is calling you when you're back out fishing. You're back to where things are comfortable. Look, people, this is not a fringe person on where Jesus was discipling people. This is the core dude. He said, I'm upon you, I'm going to build my church. And so he follows Jesus, leaves everything until he does it. And he follows Jesus three years, goes through the whole night. Jesus dies, his resurrection. And then God has a way of reaching back into his life and the way in which he originally found him in Luke 5. And what does he say to him at the end of Luke 5? What do the boys do at the end of Luke 5? Follow Jesus. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to disciple you for three full years. And the climax of the story today, the end of the book of John, where does God come back with Pete? If you love me, take care of those around me. Follow me. That's what it means to follow me. Where are your lambs? Who's your lamb? You got three lambs to write down this morning on your connection card? Have you even thought about needing lambs? Lambs bite, kick, and are nasty, dumb things. Life is all about rolling up your sleeves and being dirty in the business of other people's lives. It's a whole lot easier to say, I love Jesus, show up on Sunday for an hour, check my box. A whole lot easier to go study about Jesus. To come out with a good outline about what Jesus was talking to about Peter than talk to people and tend to their lives. Who are you tending? Who are you shepherding? Who are you taking care of? Following Jesus means tending to those he loves. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and his word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web 
ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.